0: Um, today, unfortunately, is the last sermon in our better together sermon series mm, yeah, right um, and I, for, for me, this has been just a such a, a helpful thing as i 've been studying as we 've been going through this i just not only Zach and Lonnie hearing stories of this, but just just seeing God come in our midst and and mature us and grow us and um, build camaraderie and build community over. These past five weeks has just been truly amazing. And so this morning we're going to end our sermon series. uh, We're going to talk about the last C, right? If you've noticed, these have been all Cs. Um, The first week we talked about how we were connected as a body. We looked at the body of Christ. And Paul helps us understand in the book of Corinthians that we're not just these isolated little individual christians doing our own individual thing in our individual lives and somehow maybe by happenstance our paths will cross no there's an intentionality to our faith and and it involves this fact that we are called to do life together because we're connected as the body of christ and then we saw the the fact that we're meant to care for one another right we're it's not just that we're here and then that we feel connected some nebulous way or mysterious way, it's actually that there is a reality, there's an earthing, there's a grounding to our connectivity, and that is the way we care for one another. And that's, you know, Zach just testifying of that this morning. The way that we interact with one another, the way that we have relationships with one another, are these relationships are meant to be meaningful and deep and beautiful and and all of what it means to reflect who Jesus is that's meant to be reflected into our relationships. And then and last week we looked at how we're called to co-labor with Christ and together that we're not just a group of people who love each other and like each other and smile at each other and we're meant to like reserve all of that all those good feelings just for ourselves. Actually, this grace that has been poured out upon us as the called out ones of Jesus is meant to go where? Out of these doors, right? It's meant to go into our homes and into our workplaces and into our families and into our friendships and into the highways and byways, as it would be said. And even in all of that, we still acknowledge sometimes we have conflict, don't we? We have conflict. Even though, as perfect as we are, we still experience conflict. But yet there's a grace, there's this grease that comes and it 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 enables us to so that there's not this friction that causes us to repel one another. No, the the grease of grace. Should we say that? The grace of Grease? Which way would it be? The Grease of Grace? There's this grace that enables us to, so when we rub against one another and we kind of feel a little crunchy with one another every once in a while, that the grace of Christ comes and he makes it so that we have this bridge of relationship and so that we could still say we're better together, we can still say things like, you're my peanut butter and my jelly, right? You're my cheese and my mac, or you're my mac and my cheese, or you're my Miss Piggy to my Kermit, or I don't know, whatever, my... Marianne is looking at me like, what are you talking about? See, we're able to say things like, man, you, like the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And even though we still have conflict. And all of these things are true. They're good. They're helpful. But if they're not foundationed, that's a word. If they're not set upon an objective truth of our faith, then what we do is we get off on these tangents as a church, right? You ever go to one church and you know, oh, that's the church known as the church that like is really into justice, or this is the church that's really into like amazing band. They have an amazing band. Or this is the church that it's like a preaching center, and everybody comes there to hear about this. This one guy is really good at preaching. No, see, that's not where we're called to be. That's not who we are called to be. We are called to be all better together, but in an objective foundation, and that objective foundation as christians has to be jesus only jesus and so this morning we're going to take our our last c and we're going to look at the fact that we have a common bond common bond now you ever um, meet somebody who has similar interests as you right similar interests so if, you, if you've been in the church for more than two weeks here at Southland Chino, you, know, you know that I love Lord of the Rings. I just can't help it. I just, I want to, like it just comes naturally into my sermon. It'll probably happen, well it just did right now, okay? And I love, I love Lord of the Rings, and then what happens is I find somebody else who loves Lord of the Rings, and then we look at each other, and then we just both have this bond, and we're like, did we just become best friends? I think we did. It was amazing, right? I don't know what it is for you. You might be all into knitting, right? Brittany's a knitter. She's got, why are you guys laughing? That's amazing. Listen, she's legit. She is legit. You've seen some of the things that she, she'll make these full-on sweaters that it looks like it came from the gap. But she made it, right? Better than the gap. Okay, what would you like me to say? (laughs) And so she's going to like, you know, find another knitter and they're going to like have this like, little glimmer in the eye at each other and they, like they, they look at each other, oh yeah, I got the, you know, the calluses on my hands too from the knitting needles or I don't know, whatever it is, right? And we could say we have these common bonds because of something that we both enjoy or like or maybe you're a biker or maybe you're a guitarist or maybe you're into poetry or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We all have these common things that we flock together, right? Birds of a feather flock together. But the problem with these kind of affinity groups, the problem with me just being resting my friendship or my deep and meaningful relationships on the fact that someone else likes Lord of the Rings is that that comes and goes. See, the moment that I have a disagreement with whether or not Gandalf was this or this or that and somebody gets all into the nerd stuff about it, I mean, there are college courses you can take on this stuff I mean that's the world we live in right but I mean we can have this disagreement now and all of a sudden my relationship you know Brittany with her knitter fellow knitters like I think you should do a stitch cross over the loop through the bunny through the hole and the other person's like no that's totally wrong and they get in this conflict now they have no common ground anymore because the way she wants to do it is not the way so-and-so wants to do it etc cetera, etc cetera. and for us here friends Us being better together is based on something that is so much more deep deep and meaningful than a movie or a book, a fiction, or an affinity hobby that we enjoy. See, we have something that binds us together that is based on the greatest thing in the whole universe. And that's Jesus. And it doesn't matter if we get into crunchiness with each other because it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if we start to disagree on trivial things like whether we should take this stance on COVID or this stance on COVID or whether we should do this or that or whether we should vote for this person or this person. See, all of that stuff is peripheral. All of that stuff doesn't matter. The thing that binds us together is the common bond of Jesus Christ. And let me just encourage you as your pastor this morning. If you have forgotten, this common bond that we share is unbreakable. It's unbreakable. It cannot be broken. We try. We try with our flesh, right? We try with our sinful natures at times. It enters into our relationships in the church. And we start to prefer our own way. And we start to like think of ourselves higher than anybody else. But here's the beautiful thing about who Jesus is. See, it still surpasses. It still trumps. It is still more powerful than our disagreements that we might have with one another. And it's unbreakable. And that means no matter how many times you and I have a disagreement, no matter how many times we have different affinities, no matter how many times we might have to forgive one another, the grace of Jesus Christ will be more than enough enough to be able to heal our relationships it's an unbreakable bond it's like I don't know if you've ever heard of this stuff called epoxy um, but there's like uh, Tim help me out here well, you knew I was going to look at you right so don't even act surprised so there's this chemical goo I don't even know how to explain it but if you go to Home Depot right now it'll be hanging on the, in the store and it's in this tube and you'll see that in this in this syringe there are two kind of ingredients And on one side is, let's call it the gray ingredient, all right? And on the other side, there's the red ingredient. And by itself, if you were to squeeze out the gray ingredient and try to smooth over this hole that you're trying to cover, it would cover it up. But the moment that anything of impact would come, it would just smear it right off. And if you were to take the red ingredient, say, no, I like the red side better, and you were trying to squeeze it over this hole, and the same kind of thing would happen. But here's the beautiful thing about this red and gray ingredient. When you mix them together, there's this chemical bond, this reaction that takes place, and it becomes super, super hard and impenetrable. And you squeeze them together, you mix it, and within a matter of minutes, it's like bulletproof. And it's the same thing for us, friends that we have this common bond that we could try and say, no, I could do this on my own, I could do this on my own, but the blood of Christ brings us back together and says, no, you are called to walk. You are called better together. Not because you're such an amazing, happy group of people. Not because your band is really great. Not because everyone's always smiling. Not because the lights really work well. Not because the kids' ministry is amazing. It's because of the bond that we all share in Christ. Amen? All right. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a couple of truths that we're going to look at in Scripture here, and we're going to see how the Bible teaches us how we live through and uh, outwardly and apply this to each other, the common bond of being in Jesus. So if you have your Bible, turn to uh, Ephesians. That's toward the back of the Bible. And we're going to look at chapter 4, and we're going to read 16 verses, 1 through 16. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we have Bibles here on our giving tables, our communion tables, and those are a gift to you. And also, uh, the Scripture will be up on the screen this morning. We're going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and this is what the Word of the Lord says, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4 of the Ephesians. This is Paul, and he's writing to a church, just like us, in this city called Ephesus, and he's encouraging them, and he's talking about the same thing that we're talking about this morning. He says this, I therefore, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says... When he, speaking of Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended for above all the heavens, uh, for, for far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the mystery, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed This is the word of the Lord. And so here we see Paul kind of give us this overarching theme of understanding what it means to be in the body of Christ, what it means relationally to work this out with one another. And he has some really deep theological truths that if we were to dig into this, it could take us a whole other sermon series. But today we're just going to use this as our base and as we camp out here for a moment. So what I want to do this morning is give us three kind of things that help us understand what it means to be in the common bond of being better together, what the common bond of being in Jesus, what it should look like, and what are the implications of that, okay? So number one, we must understand that if we're better together, and we're better together because we have a common bond in Jesus, that common bond in Jesus means, number one, that we are all sinners saved by grace, We are all sinners saved by grace. And see, here's here's the beautiful thing. The, the, The problem that we have is as individuals or as human beings, we often want to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, and we want to make ourselves feel better about ourselves by either judging other people or comparing ourselves to other people. You ever do that before? Okay, only about two of us are honest in this room. Well, I do this quite a bit, right? And so what happens is I'll be driving, and I think uh, there's, a, there's a person driving what I, in my view, estimation is very incompetently, right? And so what I do is I pull up beside them, and I look, and I go, that's what I thought an idiot would look like, and then I keep driving, right? <laughs> and I make myself feel better because I look at this person and go, oh my gosh, what a, what a knucklehead. And I am a better driver than this person. And I am more worthy than this person. This person deserves to be in traffic because they're not a good driver. I don't deserve to be in traffic because my value is better than that person. And so I need to cut that person off and get in front of them because they're driving too slow. But you're laughing, Anthony, because you know it's true, brother. So see, what happens is, That's not just when we're driving, that's when we're working, that's when we're interacting with each other and our families, that's when we're having relationships in church, all of these things kind of happen. And we tend to forget somehow that we are all sinners saved by grace. I think I shared last week that my testimony isn't like this big, you couldn't write a novel about my testimony, me coming to Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents loved Jesus, and they taught me to love Jesus from an early age. And they they would tell me, you know, they they taught me moral things like this is right and this is wrong. You you don't do this and you do do this. And I remember I was all into Christendom, like it was it was part of my family. I had there were these things called records. For those of you who don't understand, there it was like music and a story that was on this piece of vinyl, and you would put this needle on it and it would make noise, right? And so I remember my parents would buy me stuff like Music Machine. If you don't know what that is, you are missing out on Music Machine. Music Machine, music. Okay. And so, like, I would sit there and listen, and and I was soaked all the time as a little kid with Christian values, and I would hear it and I'd be able to repeat it. But it wasn't until I got into, like, junior high, high school age that I realized none of that stuff saved me. I could listen to every Christian 1970s to 80s era Christian kid stuff, salty, all of that, and it still would not save me. My testimony was that in spite of my good morals, in in spite of my good bringing, I still needed a Savior. But sometimes I think because I grew up with a Christian world perspective, and I think about politics certain ways, and I think about how we should relate to one another, I sometimes start to believe that I'm better than other people. Because they didn't have that upbringing. And then what happens is the common bond of being placed in Jesus Christ dawns on me over and over again. And when the temptation in my mind and in my heart to exert myself, to bow up, to make myself look better than other people, it starts to rear its ugly head. Jesus comes with His mercy and His grace and He reminds me, Kelly, it's not because you listened to Salty a thousand times. It's because... I came and I rescued you in spite of how good you thought you were. And you might be on the other side and say, man, I was not listening to Salty. I was listening to, I don't know, whatever, you know. Let's take something real bad. Striper. If you don't know who Striper is, you are better off, okay? So, and... And what we tend to do is we judge each other by by comparing each other, and so what we're not meant to do is we're meant to remind ourselves that we are all sinners. See, I I don't remember the... I think it was a Catholic priest who said, and it's not a perfect saying, but I think it's really helpful. He said, Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I love that. As if somehow we think once we become these moral perfect people, that we're the bakers of the bread. We're not the bakers of the bread. God is the only one. He's the supplier. He's the great baker in heaven, if we're going to use that analogy. And we as Christians, we need to understand that we didn't make this bread. We didn't have nothing to do with it. It was by God's grace that He extended the sustenance that we need for our salvation. All our job is to do is to say, guess what? You know how we're all sitting around starving and wondering where our next meal is going to come from? I found the source. What? Tell me, tell me. It's over here. It's over. This guy is giving up free bread. And when we start to believe that and live that out, then we understand there's nothing better about me than there is about you. There's nothing worse or better. We all are sinners. We all need salvation. This is called the doctrine of justification, if you wondered what that means. What is justification? Well, it's this theological word that it's it's a legal word. It's a legal term. So if you and I were standing in a courtroom and we had committed a crime, if we're speaking in salvation terms, what has happened has Jesus has come and stood in our place, and we were guilty. It's not like Jesus is trying to say they're not guilty. He's not our lawyer going, hey, judge, just... Um, I think we can find a loophole here and try to get this guy off. No, Jesus, the lawyer, is saying, yes, my client is 100% guilty. But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand in his place for him. And that's called justification. So when the righteous judge looks at us and says, a penalty must be paid, the righteous judge accepts the penalty of the perfect son in Christ. And then when he looks at us, it's just as if, We have never sinned. It's just as if we lived a perfect life because what happens in this moment of justification is that Jesus gives us his righteousness and we stand before the Father, the Holy Judge, and he looks at us and he says, I no longer see your sin. What I see now is the perfection of my Son that's been given to you. And see, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We only received it by grace. Isn't that good news? It's not just good news for us individually. It's good news for us as we are better together because none of us can say, I'm more cool than you. I'm better than you. I'm better looking than you. I make more money than you. I should be able to have a bigger vote than you. None of us can say that here in this church, including myself. We all say we are just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, the common bond of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. So, number two. Not only are we all sinners saved by Jesus, but we have the same spiritual family. You see, Paul, if you were to go back, he says, there's one Spirit, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You ever um, go to like a night of worship, maybe like I think, when was Phil Wickham? We, did. we sent our worship team, and we said, guys, we're, we want to bless you, and we're going to pay for um, the band and the media, and whoever wants to go, we're going to send you guys to go see Phil Wickham. If you don't know who Phil Wickham is, he's a contemporary Christian worship leader right now. We sang, I think, one of his songs this morning. Didn't we? I don't know. Maybe we did. We probably, by odds are, we did. Okay. So we said, why don't you guys go? And then they, they, they're posting videos on Instagram, and they're doing all these cool things, and they come back, and I ask them, how was it? And they're like, It was amazing. Why was it amazing? Well, you know, it was great worship, but I, you, know, you could feel the tone of what they're saying is actually, it was amazing because we were all these different churches, we were all these different gathered group of people singing to the same Jesus. We were singing to the same objective reason of our faith, the object of our faith, which was Jesus. And it didn't matter if I knew the person who had a ticket over here, and they were sitting next to me, and they were singing off key, and this person was singing really great. None of that mattered. We were all singing all together because we're all part of the same spiritual family. We have this common bond that it doesn't matter if I really know that person like specifically and that's how I'm going to get along. No, there's something The blood of Christ runs thicker than water. There's something of that truth that was poured out in this moment of us going to see Phil Wickham lead us in to singing of a great and glorious God and us all together. And we probably in this room of however many, 1,500, 2,000 people, 400, I don't know. There was a lot of people. Anyways, something is happening in this room that is not based on the fact that we're all Democrats or we're all Republicans. Or that we're all libertarians. Or that we all have this view about COVID. None of that mattered. See, what mattered in that moment was that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. But we all have the same dad. We all have the same dad. As a family. And, and if we were to take this, we would say this is the doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of adoption. Romans uh, 8, 15. Romans 8 talks about how we've no longer been given a spirit of slavery, which leads to fear, but we've been given a spirit of adoption that lets us say what? Abba, Father. That is the Hebrew word for dad. Dad. And so here this morning, we have all these different socioeconomical cultures happening in the church, right? We have people who work on this kind of a job all the way to people who work over in this kind of job. There are relationships in this church that make zero sense right? There are people here who are friends and they wouldn't say, you know what? I became your friend because you and I have this similar bond. No. See, what happened was we became friends because there was this commonality that we were all placed in the body of Christ. And that runs bigger than if I like knitting or not. I don't like knitting. I've never knitted ever before. And me and Brittany are not going to be friends because we're both knitters. We're going to be friends because we have the same dad. We have the same family. We have the same spiritual family. We have the same common bond that cannot be broken. And we have this blood that runs between us that is thicker than water. So that the moment that I and Brittany start to get crunchy with each other, what happens is we apply the truth of the gospel back to our relationship. So yes, we're both sinners needing saving. We're needing grace. We're going to apply that grace to each other. And we're going to say, you're my sister. You're my brother. I love when Anthony calls my wife, sis. If you ever hang around Anthony for a little bit, he'll, he'll call you brother or sis. I love that. And it's not because he's trying to be all spiritual and like, how are you doing today, brother? It's because he has this revelation that my wife is his sister. That sounds weird, right? No. It's beautiful. And... Anthony is my wife's brother in Christ. You can't divorce your brother. You can't divorce your sister. You could get mad for a moment, but you have to make up or it's going to be real awkward when you're sharing a bunk bed. I say that because our girls, we just made them move into bunks. And isn't it so sweet now? Aww. You're going to look back and 10 years and go, I'm so grateful my parents made us share a room. Yeah, hopefully you're not still in that room in 10 years. (laughs) I've heard it said that if justification is the gate of our salvation, the entry, you know, it's like this, we cross from darkness into light, we've been brought out of this into that, then adoption is the garden. Adoption is the garden on the other side of that gate. It's the crown jewel of our salvation. Because it's not just this black and white legal term. Adoption is this sense of like, now you get to come in, you get to enjoy all of the, the, what's that book, The Secret Garden? You get to get on the other side of the wall and you get to experience all the colors of the flowers. You get to hear the, 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 stream, the brook streaming through the middle of the garden. You get to smell the, the pollen and the, the fragrance and hear the bees buzzing and the birds chirping. And all of that, friends, is the life that we get to experience as brothers and sisters in Christ. See, our better togetherness is not just that we've all been saved. It's that we've all been saved and we join in now on this family. That's why Sundays should be so amazing. This is a family reunion every week. Every week. It's like, hey, brother. Hey, sister. How's it going? Good. Bad. Sorry. I'm encouraging. I'm praying. And what can we do? The whites, all of it. All right, moving on. You guys doing all right? Number three, it's the last one. Look at that, guys. The last, we're ending on a high note this week, all right? Keeping our sermon shorter, you're welcome. Not only, yeah, okay, so number three, let me just get it. We grow together in Jesus. We also, we grow together in Jesus. And I, I, what I don't want to do here is reread this whole thing. We, I was going to do, it, but for time's sake, we're going to go back into Ephesians. But I'm just going to point out some of the words that Paul uses to describe this growth. Okay, and he says this in verses 11 through 16. You can, if you want, you can turn there. But he says his words like equip. He talks about building up the body of Christ. He talks about maturity. He talks, he says the word again, grow up. He says the word grow again here. And then he uses the word builds. And he he uses this language of us being better together, of us being joined together in this idea that we are not meant to just stay in our maturity where we are. We are not meant to just kind of say, okay, I've crossed the line of faith and now I've made it into heaven. And then I guess I can just like become, stay in my immature state. No, see, here's the beautiful thing. That if we are in Christ, there is something that once we, once Jesus takes us from darkness into light, He then starts to mature us. He then starts to say, alright, this is amazing. You've crossed the line of faith. But that's not the end. See, there's, there's work to do in your heart. And, and my love for you... And your love for me is going to have this result where you're going to become more like me. You're going to become more like your Father in heaven. You're going to become, you're going to reflect who I am to people around you. And if we were to turn this into, uh, you know, we're talking about these doctrines this morning. We talked about uh, justification and adoption. This would be what's called sanctification. Sanctification. This is this process that once we cross, so to speak, this line of faith, once we say yes to Jesus, Jesus goes, okay, I love you so much. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to show you. I'm going to start to reveal things about your character that need to come under the anvil of my character. And so this area where you, you know, you're, you're doing this one thing is really unhelpful. I understand this is the way of the world, but what I want to show you here is that you are meant to grow. You are meant to grow in me. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not just by ourselves. See, Paul uses this language of us growing, and it's this growing together. It's this growing all together. And we're going to come back here again to what he says, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. So let me use this as an illustration. Um, you ever see, like, on the news, when the person in the um, in the laboratory has got the, like, the white um, lab coat on and they got their hair covered and they're wearing goggles and the mask and the gloves and they're working on some kind of either like they're growing a a cell or they're trying to work with a virus or whatever you've probably seen a lot on the news lately especially with COVID and they take this little like um, plunger thing and it pulls this liquid and then they put it in this thing called a petri dish and in this petri dish is a goo okay now Forgive me, I am not a scientist. I don't know what's in that goo. Agar? That sounds like a Lord of the Rings bad guy's name. (laughs) So they take the agar, and what they do is they inject this life, so to speak, into the agar, and what they'll do is they wait and they put it in these conditions to see if it will grow and bloom, or if it will die and decay, and see which way it goes. Now, here's the thing. Now, where are you going with this, Kelly? This is what I'm trying to get us to understand. There is a culture, if we were to use this word culture, these are called cultures. But there's a culture that we are meant to grow in as people of Christ. And it's not the culture of the world. It's not the culture of our family, nuclear family. It's not the culture of our politics. It's not the culture of what we think is right and wrong. It's in the culture of being united in Christ. And we cannot say, we may not say that we are called to be Christians isolated into our own individual cultures. We are meant to be placed in the culture of the objective culture of growth, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Because, like we said last week, if we start getting off on our own little, you know, bents and all our preferences, what we start to do is we become a church that is spreading out like this with no power. We're wide, but we're not deep. And Jesus has called us to be both wide and deep. And the only way we do that is in and through Christ. That's the culture. And so when we say we're better together, we're better together because we're smiling. No, we're better together because we have the same common bond, which is the most objective, beautiful, powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-loving, truthful force in the universe. And it's not this force or an idea it's a person and it's the person of jesus christ that's it friends we're better together this includes how we worship this includes how we obey this includes how we pay our taxes this includes how we obey the government or even if we disobey the government it's all through Christ. Is it okay that we have passions? Is it okay that we have preferences? Absolutely. But those bow the knee. Bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How are we, Can we have perfect relationships here in this church? I think we can. If we bow the knee to self. And we put one another first. By putting Christ first. All right. Let's end with this. If you turn over your page, you'll get to the next book of the Bible, which is the book of Philippians. And and again, Paul is writing to a group of people, a church, just like you and uh, you and me here this morning. And he writes a letter to them in a, in a city called Philippi. And this is what he says in chapter two. And I'm going to read the first eleven verses. And let's let's. Look at this and say, Lord, please, will you help us? Lord, let it be so. Yes and amen to us as the people of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and and this is rhetorical, this is like an assumed yes, okay? If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. And Paul encourages the church. He says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, On a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. What a great unifying perspective-giving, foundation-setting verse for us to end with this sermon series. Southlands, as your pastors, one of the pastors in this church, I exhort you, I implore you, I challenge you, and I charge you to live a life that is better together, but not on your own terms. Live a life that is better together because of the common bond That we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? All right, will you stand with me this morning?